Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. We're going to continue, inshallah ta'ala, with the class of the tafsir, explanation of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Explanation of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As we know, concerning the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when it comes to time era, they're divided into two periods, the Meccan era and the Medina era. Likewise, when it comes to the ulum, the science of the Qur'an, the suwar, the chapters of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of two types, Makkiya or Madaniya, Meccan or Medina surah. So far, alhamdulillah, we've reached so far in the seerah, the Medina era. And likewise, when it comes to the Qur'an, we've reached those suwar al-Madaniya, those suwar that were revealed in Medina. Is that a correct statement? Incorrect statement. We've reached those suwar that were revealed after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Because suwar al-Madaniya is whatever was revealed after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Even if it was outside Medina, even if it was in Mecca, it's Madaniya. So we reach the first of the suwar al-Madaniya. And the suwar we reach, the first to be revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in Medina is the longest surah in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise contained in it is the longest verse in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The greatest verse in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is Surah Al-Baqarah. Despite the length of this surah, we said is divided into four main categories. In our previous lessons, four main branches. And we said from these four main branches, we could take 47 durus or 47 dars, 47 lessons. And so far, we've covered two lessons, I believe, because these lessons are divided according to groups of ayat. So the first thing we covered was from ayah number 79 all the way to 109, those groups of ayat, which was revealed concerning who? Ahlul Kitab, the people of the book, which began with the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَوَيْلٌ لِلَّذِينَ يَكْتُبُونَ الْكِتَابَ بِأَيْدِيهِمْ ثُمَّ يَقُولُونَ هَذَا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ لِيَشْتَرُوا بِهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا Woe unto those who write down the book with their own hands and then claim it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We covered this majmu'ah and we looked at the traits and the attributes of the people of the book and some of those traits and attributes that are present in some of the ummah today that follow the ways of the Jews and the Christians, the Ahlul Kitab. After that, we look at the Majmu' al-Ayat, the group of Ayat that preceded, was a precursor to Tahweel al-Qibla, the changing of the direction of the Qibla, which began with the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs al-Mashriq wal-Maghrib, the East and the West. Unto reach the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Sayaqulu sufaha, that the foolish one, Sayaqulu, they will soon say. And from these ayat, we took from it benefits and also rules and regulations. And why is it now, especially now, we've reached this ayat al-Madaniya or Surah al-Madaniya, we're looking at ahkam, rules and regulations. Most of the rules and regulations were revealed where? In Medina. So whatever surah will come across from the surah al-Madaniyya, you're going to find a lot of rules and regulations. A lot of rules and regulations. And a lot of aqeedah issues still will come in there as well. So, sayaqulu sufaha, from the benefits we took from it, 
just as a quick revision, inshallah ta'ala, just these two words, sayaqulu sufaha. Who could remember the benefits we took from this? That the foolish one will soon say. Sorry? Benefits, naam. Barakallah feek. Ilmullahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first thing is the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bima sayakun. In that which is going to occur. Because it hasn't occurred yet, but Allah Ta'ala sayaqulu, they are going to say, sayaqulu sufaha'u min al-nas ma wallahum an qiblatihim latikanu alayha. The second benefit, as-sufaha, from the word as-sufaha. What benefit did we take from this? La. Naam, that foolishness or the foolish one is anybody that goes against the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or opposes the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safihun whether it's to do with creed the aqeedah to tawheed that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمَنْ يَرْغَبُ عَمْ مِلَّةِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِهَ نَفْسَهِ none goes against the milla the way of Ibrahim except for the one that's what سَفِهَ نَفْسَهِ the one that is foolish so these are the benefits we took from this. Now for the other ayahs, in this ayatul madaniyah, there's a lot of rules and regulations. And that's why the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum, the one they'll consider a fiqih, a knowledge, a knowledgeable person, or scholar in fiqh, if he's memorized, Baqarah and Nisa wa Ali Imran. Why? Because there's a lot of rules and regulation in these ayat. So what we're going to move on today, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, is tahwil al-qibla, the changing of the qibla from Baytul Maqdis to Al-Ka'bah or to Masjid Al-Haram. As we know, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was raised in an environment that in terms of people and affiliation to religion, there were two types of people. There was the Mushrikun, the polytheist, who or whom the majority of their religion, if not all of it in some cases, had no heavenly basis no revelations behind a lot of their actions and they had ahlul kitab who in origin their deen was the deen of what monotheism their deen originally was revealed by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they had heavenly revealed books and that's why they called ahlul kitab until they distorted it and corrupted it so he had the mushrikeen and he had the ahlul kitab as an environment and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam whenever he didn't receive a shara legislation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we mentioned previously what would the Prophet sallallahu do and what did he like to do to do things in conformity to Ahlul Kitab because their religion had a basis and that basis is what Wahi heavenly revealed books so the Prophet sallallahu if no Sharia came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he would do things in conformity to who to the Ahlul Kitab and one of the issues it did in conformity to the Ahlul Kitab was to face Baytul Maqdis. Because when we say the people of the book, the majority of Ahlul Kitab in the Arabian Peninsula, if not nearly all were what? Yahud, the Jews. They were the ones that were there. So the Prophet ﷺ, he found them praying and facing Baytul Maqdis. So the Prophet ﷺ, in the initial stage in Sahaba, they faced Baytul Maqdis which they call Bilad al-Sham, which is today known as Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Palestine. They'll face that general direction. And during the first period, this was not an issue. Because as we know, when it comes to the Syria, there are two eras. There's the Meccan era and the Medinan era, right? And this was not an issue in Mecca. And why was it not an issue in Mecca? 
because of the nature of the Kaaba. Because the Kaaba is like this. So no matter what angle you're praying from, you could face anywhere. The nature of the Kaaba. So it was not an issue. So the Prophet will pray facing the Kaaba anyway. But between a Ruknul Yamani and uh, between Ruknul Yamani, what's between Ruknul Yamani? Between Ruknul Yamani and another angle, subhanAllah. La, not Hajr al Aswad. I remember later on, but Al Muhim, he will face the Kaaba. And between him and Baytul Maqdis, we what? The Kaaba. So, anyway, the Prophet was still facing the Kaaba. So, it was not an issue in Mecca. He was still praying towards the what? The Kaaba. So, it was not an issue. However, when the Prophet وسلم, he made Hijrah, Barakallah Fiqh, Hajr al Aswad, Waruknul Yamani, Jazakallah Khairan. Between Hajr al Aswad and Ruknul Yamani. So when he made Hijrah to Medina, it became an issue. Because Medina was between Mecca and Bilad al-Sham. It was in the middle. So if the Prophet sallallahu if he faced Baytul Maqdis, his back would be towards the where? Towards the Kaaba. And if he faced the Kaaba, his back would be towards where? Baytul Maqdis. Walakin, in doing accordance to the way of the people of the book, the Prophet sallallahu and the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they will face Baytul Maqdis. Onto the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came down, قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ That we have seen تَقَلُّب The turning of your face towards the sama. And we're going to give you a qibla tardaha That you are pleased with. فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ So turn your face towards the direction of Masjid Al-Haram. Until this time, the Prophet ﷺ was praying towards Baytul Maqdis. When this verse was revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, at this point, they started to pray towards bait, uh, towards the har- uh, to Masjid al-Haram. In fact, it was said even prior to this, the first person to actually pray towards Masjid al-Haram from the Muslims, from the Sahaba was who? Ah, huh? man, Umar, not Umar. When was the first Sahabi to pray towards Masjid al-Haram? Even before this ayah was revealed. The first Sahabi to pray towards Masjid al-Haram was Barar ibn Ma'roor al-Khazraji. Barar ibn Ma'zur al-Khazraji. This Sahabi was from al-Khazraj, from one of the major tribes of Medina. And he, Sayyid Qawmihi, was a leader of his people. And he had given the bay'ah al-aqaba, the first bay'ah, because there was two bay'ah to the Prophet for the people of Medina. Bay'ah al-aqaba, was the first one bay'ah al-aqaba? Al-ula, the first bay'ah, pledge. And the second, pledge. So on the fir- after the first pledge, they were going back for the second pledge to the Prophet For bay'ah al-aqaba al-thaniyah. And what's the difference between al-aqaba, al-ula, the first pledge and the second pledge? What's the first pledge? What's the difference? I'll give you a clue. What was the nickname of the first pledge? Pledge of the women. And why was it called the Pledge of the Women? Because there was no fighting. With Athania, they went and they gave pledge to the Prophet wasallam that they would fight and they would defend the deen. So on the second pledge, going back to Mecca, he was leading his people. He's the Imam of his people. And the time of Salah came. So now they're heading towards where? Mecca. So now, they were facing where? Mecca. 
heading in the direction of Makkah. The time of Salah came, and he didn't feel comfortable to pray and turn his back towards the Kaaba. So he said, I do not, to his people, I do not feel comfortable with this. I want to face the Kaaba and my back towards where? Baytul Maqdis. So the people of Bara, Ibn Ma'rur al Khazraji, when he did this, they said to him, Subhanallah, look at the word of Sahaba when it comes to the Sunnah. They said to him, Wallahi ma balaghana anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yusalli illa ila sham. It's not reached us except that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has prayed except towards Asham, towards Baytul Maqdis. Yes? And we don't want to go against the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, in that case, he didn't say, I'm your leader, I'm the seed of your people. He said, in that case, do as you will. But as for me, I'm going to face the Kaaba. As for me, I'm going to face the Kaaba. And this shows us there's no obedience to the creation in disobedience to what the Creator. And whatever the Prophet has legislated is from who? The Creator, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, shahadatun wahid. To bear witness to the oneness of Allah and the risal of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because whatever is from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is from Allah subhanahu wa taala. So he prayed towards the the Kaaba. Upon reaching the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when they got to Mecca, Bara ibn Ma'rur, he went to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and these people went to him as well, and they said, he prayed towards the Kaaba while we pray towards Baytul Maqdis. So he feared himself that his action might go against the action of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So when they reached reach the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Ya Nabi Allah, O Messenger, O Prophet of Allah, Inni kharajtu fi safari hadha, I left this journey wa qad hadani Allahu lil Islam. Allah guided me to Islam. Fara'aytu an la aj'al hadhihi al-baniyya. I did not find it appropriate or befitting to make my back be turned towards this building, meaning the Kaaba. So I prayed and I faced the Kaaba and my back was towards Baytu al-Maqdis. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, he said to him, لَقَدْ كُنْتَ عَلَىٰ قِبْلَةٍ لَوْ صَبَرْتَ عَلَيْهَا That your action in reality of praying towards the Kaaba, لَقَدْ كُنْتَ عَلَىٰ قِبْلَةٍ You was facing the correct Qibla. If only you just be a bit patient. Meaning that it's going to come. So the Prophet then the Prophet ordered him, ordered him to still pray to us where? Baytul Maqdis. And the ulama they take from this that the Prophet he was had a feeling or a need for the qibla to be changed to us where? The Kaaba. So from that point on, Bara ibn Ma'roor radiallahu ta'ala an, he continued to pray towards Baytul Maqdis. Then he went back to Medina. Upon reaching Medina, it was said, Bara ibn Ma'roor radiallahu an, marada marada al-mawt. He became ill, terminally ill. Illness of death. Faqala li ahlihi. He said to his family, qabla an yamut, before he passed away, he said to them, that turn me towards the direction of the Qibla and he passed away in the direction of the Qibla so they say Bara Ibn Ma'roor radiallahu an al-Khazraji was the first to face the Qibla hayyan wa mayyitan alive and dead he was the first ever person radiallahu ta'ala anhu 
A month after his death, the Prophet reached Medina. Just a month after his death. As for the changing of the Qibla, it happened in the time of the Prophet 17 or 18 months, some say 16 months after the Prophet he reached Al Medina. So they continued for between 16 to 18 months facing Baytul Maqdis. As for the exact time it happened, they said it happened at the time of Salatul Wusta. And this is one of the things that we covered as well in the class of Tafsir, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Salatul Wusta. Be mindful of the prayers, especially the middle prayer. So if the time of the changing of the Qibla was the time of Salatul Wusta, at what salah did the time of the what salah did the time or the change of the qibla happen? In which salah? Salatul Asr. If you say Salatul Asr, naam, you're correct. Jayid. Or Salatu Salatul Asr. Oh. Huh? Salatul Wusta. We did this in the tafsir. When we do tafsir Suratul Asr, that some of the ulama they say Al Asr is the time or the Salatul Asr, the greatness of Asr. Allah Taala said, be, "Be mindful of it." And we said there's other than Salatul Asr in the interpretation of the ulama. Which salah? They only chose two: Fajr, Imma Al Asr, Imma Al Fajr. Jayid. And that's why there are two narrations that the changing of the Qibla it happened at the time of Fajr and in another narration it happened at the time of what? The time of Asr. Jayid? And it was said it was happened in the beginning of Jumada, Al-Ula, or Nisu Sha'ban. One of the two. Now, when the changing of the Qibla happened at the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there's a narration that Fajr, another narration, it happened at the time of when? Asr. Concerning the change of the Qibla in a hadith in Bukhari, it was said when the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came down, قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ That immediately the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he faced the direction of Masjid al-Haram. Masjid al-Haram. And a person prayed, Rajulun Rasulillah. He prayed to the Prophet. After they finished the Salatu, Marra Ansar. He passed a group of people from the Ansar. Now, in Medina at that time, there were two main masjids. One of the outskirts of Medina, Masjid Quba, and Masjid al Nabawi. Because the population of Medina was very small. So the Masjid he went past was not the Masjid of the Prophet, nor was it Masjid al Quba. If it was Quba, it would be mentioned. So it must be masjid of a qawm, of a people, very small masjid. And we see why now, later on, why it would be a smaller masjid. So he passed the masjid, وَهُوَ yashhad, And he's saying, yashhad, meaning saying, ashhadu. He said, ashhadu, sallaytu ma'a rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that I prayed with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the qibla has been changed towards Baytul, or Masjid al-Haram, towards the Kaaba. Jayid, wa'adu in salah. And he said immediately they turned towards the Kaaba. In another narration, he said this person had prayed with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam for rajul min bani salama. He passed a people from bani salama. Wahum ruku' fi salatil fajr, and they were ruku' in salatul fajr. 
فنادى. They already prayed one rak'ah already. They were in the second rak'ah. He pronounced or he shouted out the qibla as changed towards the Kaaba. And they prayed one rak'ah already. They were in the second rak'ah. And in ruku' they turned and faced the Kaaba. In ruku'. One of the reasons we know this is a masjid of a qawm of a people is this. A masjid like this, for example, because if the direction of the Qibla was slightly airing to the east or the west, it's possible. I could lean east or I could lean west. But Mecca from Medina is in what direction? Towards the south, opposite direction completely. So if that was to happen here now and the masjid was to be full, I would have to turn and I'm the Imam. I have to go through every single soft to get to the end and you turn after that. But he managed to pass the Saf or the Sufuf and turn and they turned with him. Because the masjid of a qawm, of a people. Not Quba and not masjid and Nabawi. So immediately, in Ruku' they turned and they faced the Qibla. As soon as the Qibla was changed from Baytul Maqdis to Masjid Al-Haram. As for the interpretation of the verse itself and the benefits and the rules and regulations, that this verse contains Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Qad nara Qad in Arabic is it's a, a form of surety that indeed we see nara now nara is a present tense Jayid so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah saw him but in this ayah Allah ta'ala said we see they say, Hada yadullu ala madha. What, is the, what does this prove to say to somebody, I see, even though you saw? Yadullu ala tikrar. That the Prophet repeatedly, repeatedly kept looking towards the sky. Repeatedly. So in the Arabic language, if somebody does something repeatedly, even if he was in the past, use the present tense. So it's a repeated, often done action. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qad nara. Indeed we see, and that's why Uthameen rahimullah azzawajal said, Isharatan ila tikrar al-fi'l Because of the constant action from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam فَتَكَرَّرَتَ الرُّؤْيَةً So due to his constant action, تَكَرَّرَتْ الرُّؤْيَةً Allah Ta'ala consistently looked at him. Jay, we indeed, we've seen you many a times. And the ru'ya here, the sighting of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is a physical sighting. Because ru'ya is of two types. Ru'yatul basar, to see something with your eyes, wa ru'yatul ilm, and to see something with knowledge. Because in English I could say, do you see him? Meaning, do you physically see him with your eyes? Or do you see what I am saying? Meaning, do you understand, do you have knowledge of what I'm saying? And who could give me an example of the Quran of ru'yatul ilm? Ru'ya, seeing with knowledge. Alam tara. Have you not seen? Is this Ru'yatul Basar? Ru'yatul Ilm. Jayid? But this Ru'ya here is Ru'yatul Mada, Ru'yatul Basar. And what is the significance of knowing this Ru'yatul Basar? We said the purpose of the seerah is to take rules, regulations, to worship Allah Azza wa Jal, Prophet as Qudwa, as husbands, as family men, as businessmen, and most importantly when it comes to the issue of Aqeedah. Very, very important. The basis of everything, your fiqh, your usul fiqh, jayid, the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, at-tafsir, 
your lugha, the basis of everything is aqeedah. Your creed and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If the aqeedah is corrupted, it affects everything else. And that's why when we did the tafsir of the previous ayat about tahrif, the aqeedah that some people may had already, it made them twist the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lughawiyan. People's aqeedah affects their fiqh. And that's why the ulama, even in books of aqeedah, they say, they mention the issue of mas'ala khufayn, wiping over the socks. Even if it's a fiqh issue, they put it in books of aqeedah. Why? Because the Shia don't wipe over their socks. Also, al-aqeedah, wa tawheed, Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, azza wa jal, in his book concerning tawheed, he called al-fiqhul akbar, the greatest fiqh. So there's no benefit. Because the purpose of fiqh is how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when the Prophet sallallahu said, Man yurid illahu bi khayran yufaqihu fiddin. Whoever Allah ta'ala wishes good for, it gives him fiqh of the religion. They say the fiqh of religion, it covers not just fiqh as a science, but the whole religion, but especially a tawheed. Because if your aqeedah is busted, it will affect your manhaj likewise. And there's no point learning fiqh, how to worship Allah Azza wa Jalla. You may fall in issues that may make your action null and void. So we learn from the Sirah likewise, aqeedah. So what's the first thing this proved? That Allah Ta'ala says, قَدْ نَارَ إِثْبَاتْ رُؤْيَةُ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى It affirms that Allah Ta'ala yara, Allah sees. Because when we looked at tahrif, there are those that negate the attributes of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala or give other interpretations. لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِي شَيْءٍ He doesn't say as we see, but إِثْبَاتُ الرُؤْيَةِ And this is رُؤْيَةُ الْبَصَرِ That Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He sees. قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبْ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ We see تَقَلُّبْ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ The turning of your face towards a sama. What does this also prove in aqeedah? Naam. Jazakallah khair. Ahsan Allahu ilayki Abu Rayhana. Naam. Ulu illahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ulu. The highness or the loftiness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he didn't say قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبْ وَجَكَ إِلَى الْيَمِينَ وَإِلَى الشَّمَاءَ وَإِلَى الشَّرْقَ وَإِلَى الْغَرْبَ And that's when Ahlul Bid'a When he came Lughawiyan, linguistically To prove or try to prove that Allah Ta'ala is not Above his throne in the heavens, above the seven heavens, above his throne And it was coming from an aspect of language about many shubuhat The person asked them Tayyib, you've brought all this proven evidence but I have only one question for you what about this necessity or this darura that is in our hearts that every time we make a dua where does our heart go to us towards the heaven and this is fitrah in everyone that when they pray the light they look towards the sky so they say the prophet sallallahu some of the tafsir that we see your turn of face to the qibla they say this was dua because the qibla of dua is the heavens the qibla of the dua is the heavens so this proves Uluwullahi subhanahu wa ta'ala, the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa Uluwullahi subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala being the heavens, is, has, despite the fact some people, subhanAllah, they're going to straighten this, and he has consequences, aqeedah, he has one of the strongest evidences. All types of evidence. Because in Islam, evidence is what? Quran, Sunnah, what else? Quran, Sunnah, Ijma'ah, Issues of aqeedah, you can't use qiyas. So Quran, Sunnah, Ijma', consensus, what else? 
What is one thing in Aqeedah that people use to prove points in Aqeedah? Ibrahim alayhi salam, when he was debating with his people, what did he say to them? These are people that had no knowledge of Aqeedah. He asked them simple question. Do they see? Do they speak? So by fitrah, the natural fitrah of a person, the sign of a perfection or completeness of a human being is to see and speak, not to be deaf or dumb. So if you can speak and you can see, your creator definitely is more perfect than you. Jayid. So another evidence is fitrah, that is salima, a natural inclination that's still in place. And the last is what? Aqliyan. Is what? Your aql, intellect. And this fitrah, even if it's Fir'aun. Because Fir'aun, what did he say to Musa, what did he say? Not to Musa, to Hamam. What did he say to him? Ibn li sarhan la'alli attali ila man ila ilahi Musa. Build for me a scaffold or tower so I could go and see the Lord of Musa. So by fitrah, the fourth evidence. And the last thing is what? Aql, your intellect. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is proven by all these five things. Rarely would you find that one particular mas'ala proven by these five things. Also, when we go to the sunnah, the sunnah of three times. What are the three types of sunnah? Sunnah qawliyah, sunnah on statements, fi'liyah, action and what? Taqreer. Which is the approval, the silent approval of the Prophet sallallahu That something done in front of him and he kept silent, it's a sunnah. Likewise, the uluwullah subhanahu wa ta'ala is proven by the three types of sunnah. Too many texts, too many evidences. The physical, because uluwullah ta'ala is of two types. It's physical highness and also what? Uluwul ma'ana. That in meaning and spiritually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the most highest and the loftiest attributes. And characteristics as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the highest examples or similitudes we've mentioned already the intellectual evidence is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if we are what we are the one that cultivated and created has to be better than the created Jayid. So Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala's Highness in terms of names and his attributes is something by Aqal likewise. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Qad nara wajhika ila sama. We see the turn of your face towards a sama. Jayid. Then Allah Ta'ala says, wajhaka shatran masjid al-haram. So therefore turn your face towards al-masjid al-haram. Al-Masjid Al-Haram. Why is it called Masjid Al-Haram? They say it's called Masjid Al-Haram because of what? Lihurmatihi, due to the sanctity of it. The Haram. Meaning there's many things, unlike any other places, is impermissible to do there. So Lihurmatihi, due to the sanctity, it's called Masjid Al-Haram or Al-Haram. Masjid Al-Haram. Tayyib. Wa kuntum. Wherever you are, wherever you are, meaning the east and the west, wherever you are on the face of the earth, face the, that direction. And this is a proof 
that wherever you are, you have to face the direction of what? The Masjidul Haram, meaning the, har uh, the Haram, not the Kaaba necessarily. You're going to face the general direction of where? Saudi Arabia or the Haram. That general direction, wherever you're on the face of the earth. But if you're within the, the bound, or you're within the Masjid, you can't say, well, I'm in the Haram anyway. You have to face the where? The Kaaba. Wherever you are, the direction of what? Masjidul Haram. So this is a khitab, this is a direction to the Prophet And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطْرًا And this khitab here, وُجُوهَكُمْ Your faces is to the rest of the ummah generally. To the rest of the ummah generally. And generally speaking, whenever the Prophet is addressed, the rest of the ummah is also addressed, except with proof and evidences. So addressed to the Prophet as we mentioned in the previous classes of Surah Al-Sharh, of three types. What are the three types? Either specifically to the Prophet or to the Prophet and to the rest of the Ummah, or what? It can either mean this or that. We don't know. So an example of an ayah that is addressing the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam specifically. We'll give me an example. Nam. Nam. I just mentioned it now. Alam nashrah laka sadrak. But when it comes to the physical sharh of the sadr of Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, talking physical, this is specifically addressing who? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Other than the physical sharh, this applies to all believers. That Allah Ta'ala expands for them their chest. And that's why the ulama, they say, the people of the sunnah, this surah applies to them. That when you follow the sunnah, Allah Ta'ala, in shirahu sadr, he expands for you your chest. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, it lifts from you your burden, your, your sins, that weighs you down. And then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala goes on to say, We raise for you your mentioning. Our intention is to please Allah Azza wa Jal. But if a person sought for his name to be raised and mentioned, follow the sunnah. Allah Ta'ala, even after your death, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, your name will always be raised and mentioned. If you look at the ulama of the sunnah, compared to ulama of bid'ah, the scholars of bid'ah, that in their time they're famous, they're known, but after they die, khalas. So this is an example of that which addresses the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam specifically. As for the second type, which is to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, mean Allah called the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but the address was also to the rest of the Ummah is, is which type? Is what ayah? Surah Al-Talaq Ya ayu nabi idha talaqtumun nisa O Messenger, Allah Ta'ala called him But how do we know it's for the rest of the Ummah? Because Allah said idha talaqtum Not idha talaqta When you all divorce your women Not when you divorce your women Jayid And the third type is the one Neither this or that and the ulama, they have different ways in addressing. They say, look, even though it's addressed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's the rest of the ummah, because he's there, he's the leader of the ummah. Or it's addressed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and the rest of the ummah should follow him in that. So it's just a difference of wording. But at the end of the day, anything in which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is addressed with, it applies to the ummah, unless there's a specific evidence to say it's only for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The last thing we take from just one ruling, which is الْوَاجِبْ إِتِّجَاهِ إِلَى جِهَّةِ لَا إِصَابَةِ عَيْنِ الْكَعْبَةِ 
that what which is sought from us is to face the angle of Masjid al-Haram, not necessary to face the what? The Kaaba. So for example, if the Qibla is like this, it's just an approximation. If you move a little bit like this or a little bit like that, you're still in the general direction of where? Masjid al-Haram. It will be an issue, like in one masjid in England, they built the masjid, done it up, I don't know how you do this. Because when people move into houses, one of the first things you check, even in the West, is to check what? Or when you're building houses, the direction of what? The Qibla. And why do you do this when you move into a house or you're building a house? The toilets, to make sure it's not facing towards the direction of the what? The Kaaba. Because although there's some scholars that say it's permissible if there's a wall or barrier between you and the Kaaba, that you can either face the Qibla or turn towards the Qibla or you back towards the Qibla if you're relieving yourself. The most Sahih opinion of Allah Ta'ala A'lam is not permissible. And Uthaymi Rahimullah Azza wa Jal, he actually went on to differentiate between urinating and defecating. That for him, it's not permissible. So he said, if someone moves into a house like that or builds a house, what some people do, they'll sit in a way whereby they're not facing it. But he said, no, what you should really do is break it all down because you may do that, but those that come after you, do you guarantee they're also going to do that? Turn in like this, turn like that. And how much is it going to cost you anyway to just knock down the toilet seat and turn it in the other direction? So usually when people build in houses or move into a house, you know the direction of Qibla, you try to know. But this is a masjid now. So they built the masjid, very nice masjid. And uh, I think it was that time, one of the people from here, he wasn't here at this time, one of the du'at, he went to England to give a lecture. And uh, at that time, these new watches had come out, the Casio watches. I'm talking about 20 years ago. You know those Qibla watches, the Casio one, that you could tell the direction of Qibla. And the brothers were all excited about it. That was the best of technology at that time. Or like those watches with the calculators in it. You know, you've seen those Casio watches? So when the Qibla watch came out, it's like, subhanAllah, it's like the iPhone 20, basically. So, and that's not even out yet. <laughs> so it's like the brothers are playing with it in the masjid. Everywhere they go, mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. So they went to this masjid, it was in Southall, and they went and they thought, man, this watch is busted. Because it was not in the direction of the, of, the, of the Qibla. It wasn't just like this, it wasn't just like, it was a 90, 180 degrees out. 180 degrees. So they went to other masjid, they tested it, tested it, they realized, no, it's the masjid. So they went to the committee of the masjid, they said, look, we know. But what happened, we had gone so far in the building and they kept it a secret, didn't tell anybody that we couldn't turn back. The person, in fact, was, uh, that was asked the question when he was there was Bilal Phillips. So he said, no, if it's just a little bit like this, little bit like that, it's okay. But like this, it's like this way and then went that way. Not it wonder it was 90 degrees, I'm sorry, it was at 90 degrees. The masjid, it was at 90 degrees. At 90 degrees. So they had to break it down again and then build it again properly. Naam. But what he saw from me is a general facing of the of the of Masjid al-Haram. Next week, Bi'ibnillah Ta'ala, we'll look at other ahkam, rules and regulations or points of aqeedah we'll get from this ayah, inshaAllah. Subhanakallah bihamdika shadwan la ilaha antistaqhatu bala. Any questions, inshaAllah?